It's your three favorite cows driving on the East Coast, figuring it out and always doing the most. We've got our ups and downs at the end of the day. Don't forget, diet starts Monday. They said it couldn't be done, folks. They said they couldn't put all three of us in a room at the same time. And whoever they is... And they didn't. ...is right. We're still not in the same room. But we are all here, present. It's happening. It's an apocalypse. Accounted for. If the teacher was here... And I'm awake. Three out of three would be present. If we were a public school, Betsy DeVos would be shutting us down she would anyway but be probably because we're like mostly minority but she would really wow, shut it our down majority like, minority no podcast here. is back together <laughs> all right what's up They're guys <laughs> and gal or clapping if you yes. are uh deaf or hard of hearing which you wouldn't be listening to this anyway so because we're not, I don't know, someday we'll add transcripts <laughs> Oh my god. Oh, wow. Okay. So, <laughs> rewind. That didn't happen. What's going on, y'all? We're recording in the daylight. This we'll never happens. I was going to say, I don't think we've ever recorded in the day, during the day, especially wow, now. We're all true. in our jammies. <laughs> I'm in my oh, yeah, what's entire in underwear. Room? I got new ones. They are like neon and they have flamingos on them. Wow. They're I wish so y'all could get the visual cute. that we're getting. We'll camera. just post a screenshot on the Insta. <laughs> Besides your new underwear, what's new? Um, Happy new mayor. Anywho, mayor, you're right. Um, That's like a hack. I mean, that's just, yeah. So in my city of Chicago's, um, asterisk next to my, because like, oh, I haven't been here that long. So it's like y'all's in Chicago, but you know, I voted. Um, So historic things. Um, We had... In our like mayoral elections, the first round of all that was back in, I think it was like February or March. It was like a little bit ago. Um, and because there was a really large pool of mayoral candidates, um, if someone didn't secure over 50% of the vote from the jump, then there was going to be a runoff, which means that they're the top two uh, people would then have another revote. Um, so I guess so that it's like, you know, more evenly distributed people have a chance to say like, oh, well, if my person didn't make it through yeah. the first round, like out of these two, who do I support? Um, so it was going to be historic either way because the, the two people that were in the runoff, um, Lori Lightfoot and Tony Perkwinkle were, are both black women wow. and there has never even been a black woman mayor of Chicago. So no matter which way you slice the cake, okay. it was like, wow, this is cool. Um, I am not an expert on local Chicago politics, but there were some concerns about both candidates. I mean, they were both superior to Mm. what we've been dealing with, uh, Rahm Emanuel, and to a lot of the other options on the ballot. But people ended up voting for Lori Lightfoot, so the one that I had more concerns over. and she, she like swept, she won every mm-hmm. single award, which is like the little individual districts of Chicago. And so she is the mayor. So snaps that is historic, still, still cool. I have a lot of concerns and I'm sure people that are even more impacted by these things feel that even more strongly. Um, I am 
hopeful that like because her platform was progressive um that that doesn't turn into like a you know these are just a bunch of shit that i was saying um and that people can hold her closely to those things that she claimed and then also maybe like you know put pressure on her to change some of her positions around things that weren't so great um so there is a lot of good in that Mm. and some you know reasonable criticism thanks for thanks for the politics corner brandon (laughs) no problem and again like sorry if i'm leaving out like major tidbits chicago people if any of you ever listen to this but like i'm learning i'm out here you know holla at me educate (laughs) me i'm down if you feel so compelled i think we Um, can keep the politics train moving there are like a lot of major politic things that happen so we're just gonna highlight them real real quick so i think we talked about this Cool. Last time, Brandon, about the uh, election in Israel and Netanyahu got his fifth term. Trump, mm-hmm. Trump's very happy. So, so not much is changing over there. Good. But on the opposite um, end of that, uh, cool. Sudan just Drama. ousted their leader. Um, it was sort of like their own tiny version Ooh. of the Arab Spring, but just centered in Sudan. And there was a lot of protesting happening and... Um, I think it's Al-Bashir um, is his name, if I'm not mistaken. But he's out, which is awesome because he sucked. He was not. He was not. He's not Grant. So, I would not you know, this, at all. Um, okay. this is not a politics show, so I won't dive deep into it. But up. it is a new day in Sudan. Yay. Um, other things that are still like politics related. Um, so some shitty things uh the transgender military ban has like officially gone into effect um after being i think like struck down a couple times and then somehow like pushed through and reapproved um i am hoping that you know aclu and like other organizations will i'm sure they're already like filing mad fucking lawsuits and all sorts of stuff um so Basically what that means, and from what I read, that nobody will be permitted to, like, enlist in the military at this point if they are, like, diagnosed with gender dysphoria and, like, already taking, like, hormone therapy or anything like that. And if you are already serving, um, you... I may be fuzzy on the details, but it seems like you will have the choice between, like, serving in your, like... Uh, gender assigned at birth honorable discharge or, they're like, probably discharged I guess, I'm, who knows if it's even going to be honorable they'll probably be yeah. like it's a dishonorable discharge get out that's so shitty yeah so I was like trying to read more into this but yeah. obviously super fucking terrible um, because this impacts I mean for a country that claims to be so motherfucking like patriotic and nationalistic and we spend billions and zillions on the military, the fact that we would want to discourage anyone yeah. from being a part of it, um, whether you agree or disagree with yeah. any of that shit is That's just like mind boggling like, to me. I could never feel um, compelled enough but, to fight for this country ever. Mm-mm. So like, who, who are we oh, to yeah. be like, Oh don't no, you don't, mm, we don't actually want you. Like you should be taking everyone that you can get at this point. Um, and like shout out to those people that are affected by this like that our hearts go out to you uh, and I really hope that this fuck shit gets like turned around <sighs> on a positive note if you didn't know 
yeah, trans day of visibility mm -hmm. happened recently, <laughs> I think in this past week. Um, and I saw a lot of really beautiful, like sharings of support, love and things from the transgender community, um, just, you know, expressing themselves and sharing stories and experiences. And I hope that, you know, that piece of positivity and what can come from that is that other people who are maybe, you know, dealing with, uh, hate and shitty stuff because of their gender identity can, you know, see that, that oh, larger community of love and support. We does love exist. it. We love it. Um, yeah. In Beyonce news, um, um, I was gonna say this week in Beyonce, perfect transition. She's doing a lot. Yeah, there's lots of things happening. Yes. Um, so like, I love the story around her. Basically, I guess what Beyonce decided was that she was like, "Well, time for me to make, or maybe not make, but um, like co-sign some she sneakers, right? And or like I guess like fitness things, um, because I think it's more than just shoes. Um, and it, I guess she was going around to like different. Um, the different, like, big-name companies, like the Under Armour's and the Nike's, yeah. and um, obviously she landed on Adidas. Um, but I forget which which one it was. What was the one where, um, basically, in one meeting... I think it was, like, Reebok yeah, I was or someone say, stupid. Which TVH dodged a bullet there, anyway. Um, the, um, <laughs> the, basically, um, um, we'll from what I understand, it. she walked into a room and, like, was like, is this the team you're going to have me working with? And they're like, uh, yeah, and there, and she was like, "Well, I, there's literally no one that looks like me in this room. Like, why would I work with you?" And left. Um, so somebody over there, I guess all of you over there, fumbled the Beyonce bag, which we all know is the biggest bag of all. So shout out to her for yeah. making that statement because I feel like it actually gives like a tangible example of a time when, like, having some like just maybe one human of color in the room maybe could have changed the way that things went. <laughs> um, which Reebok but, also yeah. says didn't happen, which leads me to believe more that it did. Was it Reebok? I don't know. Because Reebok, Reebok already has like an Ariana Grande deal. And then you got like okay. Rihanna and Puma. So I feel like it was something else. Oh, I but thought I it was Reebok. It couldn't have been. I don't know. I know Adidas is my preferred athleisure look anyways. Because well, they got my track suits and they got my sneaks. So I'm like, I'm here for I'm, it. I'm hype. I'm about to like be a sporty spice over this. I know, right? So, huh. and there's like the Beyonce pot is stewing. Like, you know how I think of Beyonce as basically like an active volcano. Um, and what I mean by that is we all know that shit could like erupt at any, at moment. any fucking moment. Mm -hmm. any moment. And we're just waiting out here, like Pompeying it up. Like, <laughs> When are you going <laughs> to <laughs> like you want to get hit by the lava, but also you don't know if you want to get hit by the lava. It's a lot. Yeah, I guess the metaphor is like our coins are the people of Pompeii. Yeah, I know. It, yeah, it's not too Beyonce. Soon, Speaking so of I coins, <laughs> lol. My Netflix account price just went up, but I'm pretty sure it's what? Beyonce's fault. But I'm okay because with it. Because of that. Yeah. Well, I'm ready. April 17th, is that what it was? Or 19th? Yeah, next week. Wednesday. Beyonce. Or I guess when you're listening to it this week, uh, <laughs> she is dropping her BTS making of Coachella, Blue Ivy leading dance practice, Netflix special titled Homecoming. Yeah. Technically, it's like H theta. <laughs> <laughs> 
Potato Yes. Basically, I feel like this just means that we all need to make sure that our like side savings account for Beyonce that we're starting to like, you know, reallocate funds. I don't have it this year. Like I I know I'm gonna pay for it, but Beyonce, I don't have it this year. I truly don't. Yeah. No, No, we certainly don't. Will I use this credit card? Yes. You fucking believe yes, it. Yes, but please This was supposed to be debt-free 2K19 for Maya. I was going to pay off all of my credit cards this year. Beyonce might ruin that for me, so... But it's uh, okay. We accept she's our She's listening. Destiny. She's tapped in. Well... She's like, ha, 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 ha. Speaking of tapped in <laughs> things in Beyonce, um, apparently someone has tapped into photos of her baby. It's multiple babies. <laughs> I almost said baby, but it's all of them. What it... Um, Destiny's what? children were leaked yeah, I know. to the internet. Did you hear how it happened? No. Okay, so... What? Yeah, what's the story? So, <laughs> go on this journey with me. <laughs> a long time ago, there was a man by the name of Matthew Knowles, a.k.a. father of Beyonce. Matthew was a big Never part of the her. rise of Beyonce's career, Destiny's child, and then somewhere along the way, Miss Tina was like, I am done with this man, and she left his ass. And then Beyonce was like, you know what, Mama? I'm right there with you. Thus cutting Matthew's source of funding to very low. Fast forward to today when Sir Matthew gives out tours of his private office in which he charges people to take. And someone on this tour was shooting a Snapchat video and panned across this photo of Destiny's children. Freeze frame leaked to the internet. (laughs) Wow. Damn. So it was Matthew's I, fault. <laughs> as are most things. Well, uh, men. Oh, Grandpa's. you should have been more careful about that. Though. You're giving tours of your. Why are you giving out tours of your office? I don't. Why are people paying to see your office? And then also, why are you giving out? Is it to like see Destiny's Children memorabilia? Because I get it. I mean, but maybe like make it a no phones event. Look, if I was broke and people would pay to see the spaces where I exist, sure. You can slide me a 50 and you come right on in. <laughs> and everyone, just know that that is... What we're saying is email us if you want to send us money to look at our recording habitats. Yeah, yeah come see my creepy basement. Have you ever wanted to sponsor something? <laughs> sponsor this. Um, anyway, <laughs> scooting, scooting right along because transitions. We're done. Um, Maya, I kind of want to throw this one to you because I, I feel like based on some posts I've seen you make that you may be the most informed about it. Um, I think it would be, I think this, this, I mean, we definitely got to talk about it. Um, so there was a tragedy, um, in California recently, um, where Nipsey Hussle was like murdered. Um, and that's like fucking terrible. Is it okay if I pass this on to you? Cause I feel like yeah. you might know some more inside yeah, no, I mean, yeah, so I think it was right at the end of March, um, Nipsey Hussle, a.k.a. Ermias Ashgadom, he's an Eritrean-American rapper, was killed right outside of his clothing store, um, and I guess the larger tragedy besides the, like, loss of life is that, like, Nipsey Hussle was really, really, really engaged in his community, very big on giving back, still lived in the neighborhood he grew up in. He was a former gang member who, like, sort of turned his life around and was all about making this, like, corner of 
LA, so South Central, like where Slauson and Crenshaw sort of meet better and investing his community, buying property, and then to be killed at 33 over what it's looking like at this point is like jealousy or like pettiness Mm -hmm. is really tragic. I think beyond that, he's a father of two children um, and then his partner, Lauren London, who's an actress, has another son that he was helping raise as well. And his youngest is two years old. So they just had his memorial service a couple of days ago and they were saying she was talking about how like one of the biggest tragedies for her is her two year old's never going to know like who his father was or how much his father loved him. And I think on the um, sort of the bigger implications of like who Nipsey also was is going back to the fact that he's Eritrean American is that um, there's not a lot of representation of the Horn of Africa in major mainstream media. And so Eritrea is a small country right on top of Ethiopia in East Africa. And it's really small. They have been going through it for a long time. They like got their independence almost two decades ago at this point. And I think for them, it's sort of like there's not a lot of people, like I said, in mainstream media who rep their Eritrean or who have Eritrean heritage. There's Tiffany Haddish, who's half Eritrean also. And then you had Nipsey Hussle, who's very also uh, vocal about his love for where he was from. He's visited a couple of times and he said, I think going back there was what sort of sparked his desire to give back to his community and invest back into the people who invested in him. And so it was just a really big hit. I think because it's something that was so unexpected and there's someone who had so much potential to be so great and just to be taken from their family and from like the world so young is it's always tragic. But this one sort of just cut deep. I personally didn't know him so much by like, his music, but more so from like, his initiatives. We actually like, discussed one of his STEM initiatives. Well, because like, you know, I'm in the whole STEM education tech field. Everything. Um, but he had like a dope STEM initiative for kids out there and stuff. And it, it just, like, hearing about all the little things that he was doing and like how they all kind of add, you know, like all those things add up and the different ways he's trying to transform his community, I thought it was really interesting. Obviously, there's people still have their critiques and I think some of those are valid around, um, you know, some of his more problematic views and stuff. But Oh yeah, um, he's not. He's no one's angel. No, but definitely. No and I think yeah. overall, like, he's someone who tried to like get his life right, and that's really as much as a one person can try to do. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think the thing I didn't know anything. I didn't really know much. I just had heard the name. I just didn't know much about like all the community stuff and that. Like really, all of that stuff that he did, I just had heard the name before, and so it was just kind of like. When it showed up in the news, is when I first just kind of like looked a little bit more into it. But R.I.P. That's like a tragic loss of life. Yeah. Um, I guess in other less depressing news. Um, yeah, we have like a, a strange mix remaining. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, and another thing that I probably just knew that than I do, but there was like rumor that popped up that like Issa was engaged. Um, I still don't think she's either confirmed or denied, but I think in the silence it's kind of confirmed question. Yeah, we definitely talked about this like a month ago. But I don't know who is the pregnancy. And I was like, yeah, they are. I don't think she's pregnant. The only place I've seen them say that is media takeout, which like sometimes hits it. And sometimes I'm like, she maybe just had a burrito for lunch. If she is, that's awesome. I'm happy for her. She's like, you know our queen but 
I'm gonna need like a full nude bump shoot before I confirm a pregnancy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so there's a whole lot of... But, like, the engagement is confirmed? I think so. It's confirmed to me. (laughs) Yeah, that's exciting. And it's, like, for a long time, boo, like, pre-blow-up, like, or something. That's cute. I'm pretty Uh. sure it's the guy that she, like, writes... If you've ever read Misadventures of Awkward, or just read the Awkward Black Girl book, it's, like, her boyfriend from that, so... Uh. That is beautiful. Well, shout out to Issa, whatever the truth is. Um, We support you in engagement and not engagement and pregnancy and not pregnancy. Yes, we love a baby out of wedlock. It's my favorite type of baby. uh, um, uh, Into, like, things of entertainment that are happening so soon. Uh, As of now, we're recording this. When y'all hear it, you should have already seen it, and it's happening tomorrow. Oh my god, Game of Thrones. Uh, It's coming back. It'll be back by the time you hear this, and I just want to take a moment, and I'm sure we all already know, but like, Brienne of Tarth on the red carpet. Oh yeah, her dress is lit. Mic drop. (laughs) I love her. I would really love to hear everyone's favorite fan theories. Oh god, uh, do we have time? I feel like we've been here in forever. I will give okay, like round. our top one Your theory. Top one. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Brandon, you go first because you're the newest to the game. Yeah, that's fair. And also, like, I don't even know half the fan theories, but I was looking through some of them earlier. Um, this one is probably like the most like straightforward and like possibly actually gonna happen thing, but the one that like Bran is like the Night King, which seems mm-hmm. like so feasible somehow. Um, but that's like but now because I, like, know that theory, I want it to, like, not be true. Um, so that's all I have to say on that. But theory, it seems plausible. I fell down a rabbit hole, um, a Reddit rabbit hole, which is a really dangerous place to be. Um, but I fell down a rabbit hole, and there's, like, this whole, like, idea that he isn't just the Night King, but that he is various people throughout the course of history, and he's trying to, like, change the timeline. Like, he tries to go back... Um, and he is, like, brain the builder, and, like, he's the one that, like, builds the wall, and, like, um, like, wards into him, and whatever, and there's, like, the city that he also hmm. wards into, yeah. the goal was for, or, like, he was going back and going into the making, and, um, the goal is for, he was, oh, that he was, like, aiming for, like, the children of the forest, or whatever, and he ends up going into the, um, Night King himself, but then he would stop. The guy that they make the Night yeah, King. and he would stop, um, and then, like, I think. Morgan. Yeah, I know, and then there's some, there's some, there's one <laughs> thing that, like, he would work into someone in the future. I guess maybe that's like the name for himself. I don't know. It was like, it's like a very, like, well thought out. He's like the reason why the Mad King went mad, allegedly. Yes, that too. He would work into the Night King, the Night King, or not the Night King, the Mad King, and he couldn't handle it, so he was crazy. Um, there's like a lot there. Like, it's not just like a, oh, Brandon's the Night King. It's like this whole, like, thesis. it's like layered. <laughs> Like an onion. I think it's funny, though, because I hate Bran. He's, like, the least interesting character to me. So, like, to put the whole plot of the storyline on his shoulders, I'm like, LOL. I like that he came back from all his drama, and then everyone was like, Bran! And he was just like, I no longer have feelings. (laughs) It's like, death is all around us. (laughs) I would have been so blown if I was Arya and Sansa and Johanna would have just been like, bitch, what? (laughs) Okay. Anyway, uh, Maya... (laughs) Um, my favorite theory that I've read that isn't mine, because I have my own, is that Littlefinger isn't dead. Um, 
Uh. And that little finger and Peter Baelish are two different people. And that little finger is actually a many a faceless man. And like he's from Bravos. Mm. And there's like all these little things that he says that basically insinuates that in season seven, when he's like meeting with that random stable girl and he gives her that Bravosi coin, he switches faces with her. And so they kill the girl wearing Littlefinger's face, but the actual Littlefinger is still alive and wandering around Winterfell or like in Westeros. And there's like more layers to it. Like he, they're like, they don't know. Peter Baelish, the actual Peter Baelish, died when um, Brandon Stark cut him when they were children and they were fighting over Catelyn because they're like, I haven't seen you since we were children. And like, because he actually died. And then this other guy came back, this little finger person stole Peter Baelish's face and like grew up and like impersonated him forever. I think that one is really layered because I'm like, wait, who is little finger then? Question mark. But my favorite personal theory is that Arya kills Jamie, steals his face and then kills Cersei. That's like what I need to happen. Drama. Well, we're going to start finding out. (sighs) Get excited, everyone. Um, Last little bitties. Um, There was a picture of a black hole. Science rules. Uh, A woman (laughs) made it happen. Yes, 30 under 30. Um, Into it. Um, DC, which we're all like, you know, DC adjacent gals at one point or another in our life um there's this whole like hashtag don't mute dc thing going on because of like some gentrifiers are the worst basically they're like hey could you stop playing the music that is like all dc things and in the place in the corner where it's played fucking always and it's funny because i don't think as a non like dc native i like couldn't tell you like the street corners but when as soon as they like talked about it, i was like oh i fucking been there yeah, is there- yeah i drive by that metro pcs yeah, store say, all the time i know exactly where it is it's the metro pcs on florida ave and i know i like i'm like it's funny being not like really a deep like from dc or anything but like so heavily dc adjacent because we spent so long there and like did all of our frolicking there during undergrad um but yeah it's just it's, it's interesting because it's kind of, like you know, it's fine. It's it, you know, it just it, at some point it just gets to be a little much, and I'm like, all right, Peter, um, pull it together. First of all, <laughs> um, first of all, you know his name is probably like Peter Lee, spelled P E A T R Y L E I G H, because <laughs> gentrifier. Um, and it's like the little music. It's it's so much deeper than just like you trying to, you know, like silence this one specific point or like distort it. it you know, it's the type of music you're playing is like native to DC. The place that you're gentrifying is like such a like, hub for you know. I mean, it's just there's it's a lot. Um, yeah, and um, it's before noon, so I'm just not articulate. But whatever so your opinions that. are on go-go music, like it's bigger than the fact that it's just go-go. It's like silencing a, a neighborhood and a culture. Right, and we won't stand for it. Fuckers. Yeah. Um, other music. Uh, who put who put this on here? Wait, I I didn't put it on there, but I concur. Yeah, it was. I've listened to that song. I have listened to Old Town Road, both the original the and the remix, a lot more than I'd like to admit. But I'm not ashamed. Look, because I want to take my horse to the Old Town Road. <laughs> 
I really, when I, when I first heard the song, I was like, this is, I was like, country rap thing. Like, you know, I haven't heard that since Nelly back in the day. Um, and Tim McGraw did that whole deal. Um, but, so I was like not expecting to like it. But then as soon as I heard it, it was stuck in my head. And I was like, fuck, this slaps. So The second Billy Ray comes in with that, well, I'm like, oh, I'm hooked. <laughs> give me more. <laughs> give me liberty or give me death. <laughs> yeah. Um, y'all, and it, like last two things that are going on in the world. So a Star Wars tra- trailer dropped. If you haven't seen it. Bitch. I'm so excited. I'm going to (laughs) cry. Yeah. Maya's our resident. Like, honestly, Maya's like passionate about so many things. She's just like a nerd. High key. Um, but nowadays that's like a cool thing. So Maya's really going through it y'all because Star Wars trailer, uh, Avengers is going to be happening this month. She's already got her ticket. I'm sure. Yes. Uh, (laughs) Like Maya's really, Maya is thriving. Um, I'm so I'm happy it. for you. I'm so excited. Thursday night, 11 o'clock. I was like determined because, you know, gone are the days. This has been going on for far too long. I apologize. This recording, not this statement. Um, gone are the days of like the midnight premiere, right? Because now movies that come out on Friday, you can start seeing them like Thursday afternoon, which I think like sucks Wednesday. because... Yeah, and I used to be like, we used to like, we saw every Harry Potter premiere like at midnight, like our mom used to have to go to the theater to actually physically buy the tickets and it said like early sale on them and we stood in line and now technology is ruining things. You can like see a movie at 3 p.m. the day before it comes out, but I'm seeing it at midnight on Thursday because I'm staying true to myself and I'm really excited and it's three hours long so I'm literally going to be in the theater until like 4am and then go to work but such is life um, me being the watch I know that I am um, my plan is to go see it on Friday morning I'm going to go on the work day or possibly just take the day off depending on how I'm feeling probably take the day off um, and I'm not going to play myself because I know if I go try to see this at midnight I'm going to be asleep and that just is who I am Oh, I know. wanted to do we the 50 you. hour marathon where you can see all of them in order, but I'm like, I don't think I have any more days off on my calendar. So just gotten to that time of the year where like taking days off isn't a thing. So just watch them at home. But I'm so excited and I'm excited for Star Wars. It's the end of an era. <sighs> yeah. Um, and last but not least, just to end on, you know, uh, a good old classic note Fuck of like. Trump. Fuck Trump. Um, so this is like super recent. This was like yesterday or today. Um, and for y'all, like, it's, it's what the hell? <laughs> so as you know, um, Congresswoman Ilhan Omar has been just like, everybody's just been giving her a bunch of shit. Um, the, the tiniest bit of that shit is some like reasonable criticism of the way that some of her statements could have been construed weeks ago for which she apologized. Um, ever since then, she has just been like a target. Um, and this is truly terrible. So Trump literally fucking tweeted a video that took a snippet of a speech of hers, like out of context, um, and spliced it with literal video of the 9-11 attacks. And if that isn't just like asking for her to be like targeted more than she already is and like Islam stoking Islamophobia with a not a not with like a stick with a motherfucking like Brick. can Long. of gasoline. Yes. Um what the fuck? So 
uh, hashtag we stand with Ilhan Omar, and I hope y'all do too, and fuck Trump. Honestly, the guy who was like, well, now that these towers have burned down, I have the tallest building in New York, wants to say that her comments about 9-11 were insensitive. <laughs> yeah, so... In closing. Y'all... <laughs> as always. We had... We had a lot to say because, you know, we it's just been a minute since we all been in the same not room room. Um, so thank you. All right, everyone. We love you. Back in action. And we are going to take a quick break. And then we are super duper excited uh, to hear from another super fabulous guest. So Woo. stay tuned. BRB. Hey, friends. So. We are back and ready with our next super exciting guest uh, in our interview series. So we are super excited to have you on the show. Welcome, Vicky Shi. Welcome. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so Vicky, why don't you go ahead and kind of like get the ball rolling if you just want to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Sure. So I'm Vicky. I am 25 years old. I currently live in New York City. I always joke that I'm an eternal optimist and an oversharer. So hopefully this interview will show you all the things about myself that I overshare. <laughs> and I just came back from a seven month backpacking trip. Yes. So an adventurer, like a, a nomad of sorts, a free spirit, all sorts of like things we could project onto you, but we're excited for your oversharing because we're going to kind of like get into this. Um, so to kind of start things off, I want to like take it back to the origins of traveling for you. Like when did the metaphorical travel bug bite? Sure. So I was on my first plane and had my first passport when I was 10 months old. Uh, my parents are immigrants from China, and they moved to the United States when they were 22 or 23. So they always had this desire to just leave their home and see the world, and that is absolutely where I get it from. Um, they started taking me and my brother on family vacations, um, starting when we were obviously really young, and usually like every couple years or so, we went on some sort of family vacation sometimes domestic and as I got older, more international. Um, so I've done a lot of traveling with my parents and they were always really, really in encouraging of me to pursue my own travels. So for example, when I was 16, my brother and I went on this three week, like teen back, like Europe trip uh, that they sent us on and paid for, which was amazing. So they've always prioritized that and definitely inspired that in me. That is super, yeah. like, awesome that they yeah, supported you in those endeavors. My parents were like, hey, girl, we're too broke. <laughs> but, like, if that's a thing you want to do, do it. You know, just, you know, figure it out. So, but, yeah. Um, so, I guess then when did you, I guess, when did you, like, start to solo travel? Or, like, when did you, like, I guess actually start doing things that weren't family involved and like kind of make this make the way for yourself. Yeah, sure. So I went on that kind of group, like high school trip uh, in Europe when I was 16. And then when I went to the University of Maryland, I definitely pursued a lot of study abroad programs. Um, and I was really lucky because 
Uh, my mom actually worked at the University of Maryland, so I had my tuition paid for and I got a scholarship. So college was not super expensive for me like it is for most Americans, unfortunately. So I really uh, went hard on the study abroad program. So I think I went on a spring break trip. I went on um, like a summer trip to Paris and Munich. I went on a winter break trip to Sydney, Australia, and then oh I did an exchange semester four months uh, five years ago uh, in Vienna, Austria. So those were kind of the school-led trips. And then it wasn't until I was like a working adult that I actually went on like a true solo trip. So okay, I like traveling is just so much of a big part of who I am. And obviously I made that really clear at work. I always wanted to be put on traveling projects. So, um, and I'd always wanted to move to London and I, you know, communicated that to my, my managers and all that. So they put me on this project in London for a month. Uh, I think it was the summer of 2016 or 17. Um, and then after that, I went on my first solo trips. Um, but it was kind of like training wheels. Like I, had, I was, I had friends in Europe from my exchange semester in Vienna. So I would, I visited one in Barcelona and then I did Madrid by myself. And then I visited one in Paris and then um, I did Lisbon by myself. So it was just three days at a time alone. Um, and yeah, that's where it all started. But then my like big backpacking, backpacking trip was the, the longest time I'd ever done a solo trip. Oh, wow. Okay. That's, yeah. I mean, even like doing a couple days alone in a totally like foreign place, um, especially somewhere maybe if you don't know or aren't super familiar with whatever like the native language is, I feel like that can even be like a lot. But that's probably like a good stepping stone for anybody who's interested in trying like a more long term solo adventure. Yeah. Um, but that's super cool to hear about. As some, This is something I'm kind of curious about. So I guess was it particular to you think your like field of study or your major at least at Maryland that allowed you to kind of participate in so many things because um even if it was not necessarily like your scholarship and stuff like that could help like getting credits done and all that like are there any like pro tips you have for maybe like students or people who are interested in even doing just like one trip and how they like fit that in if they're like I don't know pressed about school and all that other stuff and like FOMO and all the things yeah definitely (laughs) um so the spring break and summer break and winter break trips were great because those are kind of just like extra extra credits um when i was choosing my exchange semester i had like this whole spreadsheet where i was like comparing all of the different options um and trying to maximize how many credits i could get uh, that would count towards my major and i think as i studied marketing and international business And so I think that was very conducive to getting credits abroad, obviously. Um, But I definitely like filtered out by like, where where can I go? I think I the way I planned it, like I had to pass all my classes when I was studying abroad to be able to graduate with my double major. (laughs) So it was definitely a priority to me um, to choose a place. I choose a university that would be able to allow me to graduate on time. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. That's like definitely a motivator when it's like, well, like I'm here for like a good time, but also to learn something because this is the difference between me like getting out of here on time or not. That's all exciting. But I also kind of want to hear more about like some of the more, I guess, recent things. Because that's like, like you said, like five years removed. Me too. That was when I, yeah, it was in 2014 was when I did my like semester abroad. So it's like good times out there. Um, For... 
after graduating, you did, so you kind of, I know you had moved to New York and everything as well. Like what were you doing for a little bit after you graduated? Sure. So I luckily had three months off before I started working. And actually when I was in Vienna for my exchange semester, I picked up an Austrian boyfriend. (laughs) So yes. um, So (laughs) I ended up spending like a month with him in Vienna after I graduated. And then Um, my parents actually flew out and met me and we did like a whole Euro trip for a month through Central Europe and Scandinavia. So just obviously they're just the biggest travelers. Um, and then I chilled at home for a month and then I moved to New York city and I worked at this brand strategy consulting firm called Lippincott. Um, and yeah, it was a really great place. I, I, I was I was so lucky. Like it was the first job I applied to and like poured my heart and soul into it. And thank goodness I got it. Cause I think I would have been heartbroken. <laughs> so I moved, I moved to New York and started working as a brand strategy analyst in consulting. Yes. And shout out to, I'm going to have to like take it back for a minute. Like shout out to, uh, finding Bay abroad. Cause that is, that's a, that's a accomplishment as well. Wait, pause. This is still Bay, right? <laughs> no, X Bay, actually. Oh, <laughs> that's okay. Oh well. Still, shout out to you, Austrian X Bay. Thanks for the adventures. See ya. Yeah, <laughs> I'm. I'm sure there were some good times, uh, you know. But shout out to learning. Thank you. Next. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was a great excuse to or I should say it, he was a great excuse to go, to go back to Vienna, like every six months. And like, every time I went back, back to Vienna, I always tried to tack on like a side trip, like going to London or something. Mm. Um, so yeah, that definitely kept me traveling internationally for a while. Yeah. Whatever your like reason is, whatever the, like, listen, y'all other pro tip, like find a bay, even if it's a temporary bay abroad. Okay. Maybe for a good time, not a long time. Okay. No, <laughs> exactly. I know that obviously like you made the transition into kind of doing a little bit more freelance work and everything. So how did you decide that you were, I guess, like stable enough to make that transition and then to like still be able to travel and do like what you're passionate about at the same time, which I feel like is like a much broader question for like a human in their twenties. Um, because we're all, I feel like low key looking to leave some situation for some better situation. <laughs> um, but yeah. Yeah. So I actually, I worked at Lippincott for, almost three years before I left. Um, and it was a really amazing first job just because I, it was a really great people. I had some really incredible, legit projects that I learned a lot from, but I think it was around like March of last year. I, I was working with this uh, manager who was just so clearly overworked. And I remember him mentioning that like, he didn't have time to review my work over the weekend because he was working on other Lippincott work. And um, I remember he had like a very young daughter and I just remember feeling so sad for him that like this was the norm for a partner in, in consulting to not yeah, have a really good work-life balance. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it was the same at your place. Um, so I just had this own realization of like, I don't really want this life. Um, and for the for the whole three years, I was a little bit back and forth on like how I felt about consulting as a long-term career. Um, I loved that I could travel and I loved the diversity of work, but I think at the end of the day, I just wasn't really passionate about it. So truly, I remember it was a Wednesday. <laughs> I was like, I don't think I want this anymore. Maybe I should look for a new job. 
then Thursday morning, I got up, I was walking to the subway, had my iced coffee. It was a sunny day. And I was like, I've always talked about quitting my job and traveling, but it was always sort of a later dream, just something to dream about, think about. Mm. Um, and then I was like, why do I have to rush into another job? <laughs> I have nothing, nothing tying me to New York, really. Like, I should just do it now. Um, yeah. And then I went to work and I remember I talked to some of my work, work friends who I was really close with. And I was like, I think I'm going to like quit and travel maybe for like three months. And I remember my friend being like, I mean, if you haven't have savings, go for six. <laughs> I was like, yeah, okay. Yes. <laughs> uh, we love a supportive friend. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's is essentially how I decided to quit and travel in the course of two days. <laughs> So that's like that friend when you're drinking and you're like, maybe I'll buy myself a shot. And they're like, take two. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, that's so glad. That's like, that's great. I, it sounds kind of familiar. I think at least a little bit to not necessarily international travel for me, but I think my most recent move where I was kind of like, I had been thinking about this, like low key for a while. And it's like, yeah. And then it's like, my lease was ending. I was like, well, why not now? So it's, Shout out, like, jump on the opportunity and do that. So you ended up, you know, going on this international adventure for several months. Um, how did you decide, like, when to or where to go, I guess? Um, like, what places you wanted to visit? Because it sounds like you did a lot of Europe um, in some of your previous traveling. Like, what? where did you go and how did you land on that? Yeah, I mean... Uh, you already called it out. I had done a lot of Europe uh, with the exchange semester in Vienna and like working in London and all that. So I was like, I should go. I'm never, I mean, probably not likely going to have this much time ever again to just travel. So I want to go as far as possible. Um, so I knew that Southeast Asia was kind of trodden backpacker territory and traveling alone as, as a woman. Uh, I felt just more comfortable that it was kind of tried and true. Um, and then one of my best friends at the time was working in Sydney, Australia. So I was like, eventually I'd love to, I'd love to go see her. Um, and I am just always the most, I have like no sense of time and I like, I'm always late and always try to cram too many things into not enough time. So in my head, I was like, I'm going to do Southeast Asia, Australia, New Zealand, and South America in seven months. <laughs> and then fast forward to two months into Asia, I haven't even hit, like, I think, I think I only had like two countries of the five or six that I'd wanted to go to in Asia. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to South America. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, essentially I looked at, I had worked, traveled a lot for work. Um, so I racked up a lot of points and I was able to find a flight to Bangkok that I could just use. I could book using points and I just like, okay, I guess I'll start in Bangkok and then I'll see from there. Wow. I feel like that's so risky. <laughs> like I love it, but I'm just like, and especially you brought up like being a, um, a woman like and solo traveling, like what I guess uh, do you have any like tips around that or like what do you feel like do you feel like there were any challenges or anything that like you you know kind of would be like hey maybe these are like a couple of mistakes that I made or these are ways that I would have felt more comfortable or you know like yeah definitely I actually was reading a New York Times article the other week about I think the headline was like the rising violence against female solo travelers. And my first reaction was actually sort of anger. Cause I was like, if we're, if we only ever like 
elevate the stories that are about violence against female travelers, then everyone's going to be too scared to travel. Um, but actually, as I read the article, it was quite well done. And I think the core of it was right. And the fact that as much as I love feeling confident and free and, you know, independent, there are things that I did. And I think any female traveler should do just to make sure that you're safe. Um, mm-hmm. So I stayed in hostels a lot and I very rarely ever had to like walk home at, alone at night. Um, I was okay. usually with friends or I took a cab. Um, I also always had a data plan. So like whatever happened, I had Google translate. I could like call home via uh, like WhatsApp or Skype. Um, mm. So I could always like contact somebody. Uh, I also just, I mean, I love partying. Like I got a lot in New York and I like made a conscious decision to just not, you know, get too drunk when I was not with people I really knew. So only when I kind of trusted the people I was with that I started to, you know, let loose. <laughs> yeah. Which I feel like is also a city thing too. I think I moved to New York and I was like, so remember that time or that like multiple times you blacked out in Bentley's? Like, <laughs> maybe it's time to stop. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, I went to this, there's this party in Thailand in the islands called the Full Moon Party, which is like infamous. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. That sounds so magical. My heart is like growing three sizes, just like the Grinch. Tell us. It sounds, I think, more romantic and dreamy than it really it is. Actually it's, <laughs> it's a lot of backpackers on the beach just getting super drunk. Um, and there's a lot of scary stories, like, mm. of girls like, t- t- getting taken advantage of, um, all this. And so, I mean, just like kind of like more high risk situations like that. I only drank bottled beer just because I had heard stories about getting drugged. They have these like disgusting, but great, what they call buckets, um, where it's just like a ton of different alcohol and mixers in a literal bucket. Amazing. I feel like we had something at Bentley's like a garbage bucket. They sure did. And that's all we're going to say about that. Case closed. Uh, (laughs) Next. No, but that's... I think the the shitty reality is that it sucks that you have to consider a lot of those things when you're just out, like, trying to, one, have a good time, enjoy yourself, like, be yourself. But it's good to know also that you were able to do that, had a great time, and, like, you know just had a mostly what sounds like really positive experience um beyond those things like so i know you said you like started in bangkok like how my question i guess is i didn't realize this but did you like have the one ticket to bangkok and then you were kind of like making it up as you went like maybe a loose idea but you didn't have like other tickets planned out already for like stuff yeah i just had the one-way ticket and i had four nights in my hostel booked that was it wow (laughs) That is like the oh ultimate gosh. in like spontaneity <laughs> that like I yeah, consider I'm myself like, spontaneous, honestly, but I'm like, I'm can I be on that level? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was really freeing. Um, yeah, a lot of people asked me what I was most excited about before I left. And obviously it was, you know, seeing the world, all these new experiences. But part of it was like just only doing what I wanted to do and not having to answer to anybody but myself. <laughs> so. I feel like, yeah, what did you, I guess, kind of learn about yourself through the process or like 
yourself and your place in the world? Like, I know that's a good, very existential question, but I'm sure like spending seven months, like you said, only having to answer to yourself or like, you know, seeing whoever it was that you wanted to see when you went to see them in all these different countries. Like, I'm sure, you know, you uncovered something. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, a lot of people were asking, like, are you going to find yourself? Are you going to come back like a changed woman? And mm-hmm. I don't think I came back changed at the core per se, but I think I did become more familiar with parts of myself that get sort of buried when you're in the daily grind of working and oh. seeing the same people and doing the same things every day. Um, yeah. Yeah, for example, like, I mean, I joked about it on here. I'm such an overshare, but I actually think that's <laughs> a quality in me that came came into play in a good way for all these new people I met. Like, I think it's so easy day to day to just get into these like shallow, like water, quote unquote, like water cooler situation or conversations like how's the weather, which to this weekend. Um, I think the cool thing about traveling is that like if you you can just kind of be weird and be whoever you want to be. And if that person doesn't like who you are, then you never have to see them again. (laughs) So I felt really comfortable just like asking real questions and ask, like getting to people's vulnerabilities and sharing my own. And I think in that way, like I would spend maybe like one day with somebody, but feel like I'd spent like a year getting to know them in just the way that we connected. Um, So I think like, yeah, thank you. I think it's like, I don't know, just this whole idea of like, if you open yourself, sounds cheesy, but if you open yourself (laughs) to the world, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you'll make more and deeper connections and experiences. I actually kept this journal when I was traveling where I kind of like kept track of all these like feelings I was going through and trying to just remember the lessons that I was learning along the way, just because I think the scariest thing about coming home is feeling like you never left at all. So I think that was part of me wanting to just not forget the feeling of like being free and spontaneous and being around all these new people and beautiful places all the time. Um, And I think part of that is like, I think, I mean, especially working in business, there's a lot of just like hiding your emotions and your true self and your vulnerabilities. And I think like, I remember I was on this like, gorgeous hike in New Zealand and it was my last day and before I flew home and I just had this moment of realization like oh my gosh I've been traveling for seven months I'm gonna go home tomorrow and this like I had like my heart just like tightened and I just felt so anxious and I was hiking with like two friends I had met I think maybe like two weeks prior we traveled New Zealand together um I told them I was like I think I'm I think I'm starting to freak out I don't really know what to do (laughs) Yeah. And my one friend, Courtney, was like, listen, like you have been traveling for seven months. Like you've been having all these new experiences and like you've been meeting all these incredible people and you're going to go home and it's going to feel really crazy. And I think you should give yourself some credit and feel. And I was like, you're right. Like we should always just feel like it's OK to sit with discomfort and sit with sadness and like be OK with it. I feel like that is such a dope quote, though, like give yourself some credit and feel like wow, do you have an episode title? I think it, I think it's right there. <laughs> I'm all about feelings. <laughs> Same. Same. <laughs> we, we're very feelings uh, oriented people right here, but I think I really like 
what you said about that. And this is like, I am, I'm, I'm also a fan of cheesy and corny things. Um, so Elote is like my fave, but specifically, um, something I say to people all the time when they, I think it's this weird thing that we do where we apologize for like being upset. Like, have you ever had somebody, and I'm sure we all have where they're like, someone literally like, you know, sheds a tear or gets emotional and then they apologize to you. And it's like, no, yeah, like, I don't care how like <laughs> insignificant this, like maybe you think this is, or you're trying to minimize your own emotions. And I always tell people like, no, like feel your feels, feel them. Like it's okay to be, sometimes it's like the answer is not like, oh, it's going to be fine. Like, like, you know, it probably will be, but it doesn't have to be right now. Just like, yeah, feel the feels. Ah. Yes. Yes. I actually was having a conversation with a coworker yesterday and it was literally about how to phrase your emails, but shoot, essentially, um, I think, uh, someone had written apologies in advance for the long email and she had changed it to thank you in advance for bearing with this long email. And she was mm-hmm. talking about how, especially women will apologize a lot. Um, when instead yeah. you can replace those with thank you, like instead of saying, sorry, I'm crying right now, you can say, thank you for being here for me. I thought that was really interesting and important way to phrase, phrase life. (laughs) I enjoy that. I mean, I've been to like a hundred, not a hundred, but a few like, you know, like women in business, like those types of conferences. And they always, people attack it from a different, I think, angle every time. But, um, it was always just like a stop apologizing. No one's ever actually given me something to replace it with. (laughs) So I think that's like really great advice. Um, but anywho, I guess, sorry, that like totally <laughs> went like, not left, but like, you know, it went right. Um, I enjoyed I it. Guess, <laughs> I think I'm just like picturing, okay, so you're like talking about this like dope hike in New Zealand, you know, like towards the end of your trip. So I guess aside from that, like what were some of the other like cool things that you did or like that you got to see? Like what else, or, like what are some of the like highlights from like your seven months? Sure. Um, gosh, it was just unbelievable how every day you could just, you could do something completely different. (laughs) I remember I was, I was commiserating with a friend when I came home and he was like, it's just so weird that I can't wake up tomorrow and decide to hike a volcano. (laughs) Like even though, though, even though those sorts of things sort of became the day to day norm, it was like, you still got to the top of the volcano at sunrise and you were blown away. Like, Mm -hmm. So I think a few highlights, um, towards the beginning of my trip, I did this like three day motorbike trip in the North of Vietnam. And, and I actually rode on the back of of the motorbike (laughs) because the previous week I had crashed my motorbike in Laos. (laughs) I was too scared to drive it myself. I've never been a good driver, like not even cars. So (laughs) I was like, I actually might kill myself if I go on these crazy hilly mountains with this motorbike. Um, but it was amazing. Like, I think it's still like some of the most beautiful views I've ever seen. Um, and it was in like less touristy. It has, it wasn't like overrun by tourists yet. Um, and I hope it never is. So it was still quite like untouched and beautiful. And like locals were like turning their heads cause they had never seen like foreigners before sort of situation. Um, I learned how to scuba dive in Thailand. That was really exciting. Um, in Koh Tao. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a scuba dive fanatic now. Like, and I've seen turtles. I've seen, um, manta rays. I've seen like tiny sharks. 
like harmless <gasps> sharks. <laughs> Octo- octopi? Octopi? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, right. I think that's the plural. <laughs> yeah, I spent like five days being a mermaid and just like going uh, on like three dives in the ocean. And I actually really, the first day I was so hungover. I was so tired. I had stayed up all night with a boy on the beach. <laughs> and so I had this 8 a.m. class for my scuba diving. And I was like, shit, I am so hungover. <laughs> and we had to, you have to like, your first day you're like in this pool and it's just this like concrete pool. So they have all these like tests. And I think the first time you go underwater for like five minutes and I like actually thought I was going to vomit underwater. And I, I was like, there is no way I can go into the ocean. Um, but somehow made it through the first day. And then uh, the second day we actually went into the ocean and I was like, there is a whole world under here. Like it's, it looks like yeah. the colorful world, colorful world of finding Nemo. It was unbelievable. Right? Oh my gosh. That is so cool. I've never been scuba diving. It's like on the list of like goals and eventually things that I want to do, but even just snorkeling, which I did like a couple weeks ago, um, down off of like one of the Florida keys. I was like, wow. It's like whenever I go to the aquarium, I'm like, I want to get in there. And I was like, wait, you can. <laughs> yeah. It's very cheap in Thailand. I think it's the cheapest in the world. Notice. Specific scuba Noted. question. <laughs> I feel like I saw this post. I also got a tattoo, that- which was like, which I'm really happy with, but the story was actually like terrible. Like the tattoo artist was so, she was just so bad. <laughs> like, <laughs> she was just so bad. Um, she like ha- sketched up this like illustration for me and it looked like a child drew it. <laughs> and then as I was trying to fix it and like, I'm speaking to her in English, she, she, it's her second language. So she's not necessarily like, getting everything that I'm saying. Um, she gets really frustrated and like thrust the iPad to this, to her coworker, who I think is kind of drunk. <laughs> and he oh like sketches gosh. up the design and it's actually like perfect. Um, and so we like have a few changes and then I'm like, okay, wait, like, can you please tattoo me? Because this, this woman hates me and she's going to mess it up because she hates me. He's like, no, I can't. Like she has to do it. Like, I don't, I think something with politics with the tattoo studio or whatever. And so he like fetched her from the bathroom. <laughs> she's like still fuming at me. Like <laughs> gets me to lay on the table. I like don't even look for 30 minutes as she's like inking me. And then I look over and thank God it's all fine. But she literally inks me and then just takes a photo for me and then leaves. <laughs> oh, wow. Hmm. Well, shout out to your angry tattoo. What is it? If you don't mind us asking. Sure. It's, um, it's based on an illustration from this uh, Korean tattoo artist I found on Instagram. But it's a picture of a girl sitting on a book looking at the stars. And she has a little red streak in her hair because um, back in the day, I don't have any more, but maybe I will redo it. I used to have this red streak in my hair just to stand out. Um, And to me, it kind of symbolizes to keep dreaming and adventuring and keeping life as an open book. That is so cute. I feel so inspired from all of this. I have like a weird logistical question about Do I need grad school or do I need to travel? No, as well, I will support you as your friend and say you should finish because you already started. But then right afterwards, we should go on an adventure. Um, <laughs> but when you are, I'm just curious, like, what did you pack? It's like, how did you decide that? Like when you're going to I'm going to go for seven whole months. Yeah. 
That was tough. I was lucky to be connected to a few people that had done similar trips and it was just many frantic phone calls and text conversations with last minute questions. Like what kind of backpack, what kind of coat did you bring? Like, like, did you bring laundry detergent? (laughs) Things like that. I essentially packed like a week's worth of underwear and socks, like super basic clothes. Actually, almost my entire wardrobe was all black just because I was like, it won't show dirt. It won't like get discolored. Um, Fair. <laughs> yeah, I had this quick dry towel. I had packing cubes. I used the Osprey 55 liter backpack. You should see if they'll sponsor this podcast now that I've name dropped it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and it was great. It's what I lived in. And I don't know, I think one of the things that stuck with me is that one of my friends that had done this before was like, you're going to feel like you need to prepare so much, but you're going to get there and anything you need, you can buy. Like even medicine, like I, especially in Southeast Asia, like medicine is so cheap and so strong. I, I was taking like 15 hour bus rides in like the countryside of Vietnam. And I would take this motion sickness medicine that would literally knock me out for 11 hours <laughs> and made those bus oh rides turn out easy. Um, yeah, just in general, like the healthcare in Southeast Asia was crazy cheap. I ended up going to the hospital five times, <laughs> um, including Wait, including getting stitches. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, it was a rough couple months. <laughs> well, dang. So everyone, less is more. Clearly, something more. And I, I mean, towards that, towards the, the middle slash end, I was so sick of my black clothing. So I was like giving things away. I was buying new things. I was trading things with other backpackers. Um, so that was like pretty normal. And I mean, it was just also really freeing cause I have, wait, I still have like far too much stuff. Um, but just to know that like everything you need is on your back. That's, it's pretty freeing. You can just pick up and go. Yeah. That's like a mentality. I think I need to adopt for also just like not long-term trips, but I think short-term trips too. I'm like an overpacker for sure. And I'll be like, I brought my carry-on just for shoes. So like, let me <laughs> just relax. Like I can stunt on the people with like three different outfits. And honestly, I'm never going to see them again. So like I could stunt with the same outfit twice. Let me just relax. Yeah. I just, for my 11 day trip to California, I just packed a personal item because I was too cheap to pay for a carry on <laughs> on basic economy. Um, but there's a lot of outfit repeating and laundry done. Awesome. That's fine. Like as long as you like that one outfit, it's cute. Um, another question I had was when you, I guess when you're, you know, abroad and like away from, what you probably consider to be your main support network, whether it's like family, close friends and things like that. Like how did that, I guess, like, did you, do you feel like you stayed um, like in contact or like called home a lot or anything like that? Or like, how did that network of support like adapt for you? Or like, what did that mean to you when you were abroad? Yeah. So I, it's funny because I almost feel like to my parents, it wasn't like I was on the side of the world because even in New York, I called them. I try to text them every day and I called them every Sunday. So when I was traveling, I called them once a week and I texted them photos every day. So that I tried to keep going. And I probably a few friends, I would Skype or FaceTime them once a month. And 
then, I mean, I was posting on Instagram. I was sharing stories on my blog and Instagram. So I think a lot of people felt, I mean, at least I was able to like share updates in that way. And I was actually really surprised when I came home, I had a friend that I hadn't talked to in years and she was, she reached out and was like, I was following your blog. And even though I, we haven't spoken in years, I felt more connected to you now than like, than ever before. And that was really nice. Um, yeah, I think it was, it was interesting because it was, a it was a lot of like, I have these like, you know, lifelong core friends. And then I have all these like new friends that come every day. Like you, you walk down to a hostel lobby and everyone's like, Oh, what are you doing? Like, do you want to come on this adventure with us? Cause that's just kind of the backpacker hostel culture. Um, there's something really beautiful about like fast new friends where, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to like explain who you are really. You can just kind of be whoever you want to be. <laughs> um, and as I said, I think I mentioned this before, but like spending three days with somebody feels like spending way longer than if you just saw a friend for three dinners. Cause if you travel with somebody 24 seven, it's like, you get to know like so many parts of them and so many quirks. Um, so I, I kept in touch with, you know, my, my best friends from home and my family, um, and it was nice to see who reached out as well. And then just like found like a day-to-day support network with like the people I was meeting along the way. Like you said, if you're like opening yourself to those people, there's no reason why they can't support and you can't, you know, be supported. I'm sure there were times when you were supported to some people that you hadn't known that long. So yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, shout out to like just the humanity of all of that. Right. Just, and another uh, fun part of it is like, you know, I think on a long trip, like it's pretty easy to pick up travel boyfriends here and there. <laughs> so you can just like have a, you know, one week romance with somebody and like know that they're not right for you in the long term. Like you're not going to get married to them and there's no baggage, but you just, you part ways and you shared this beautiful week together and you're like, okay, well, I love these pieces about this person, but, and now like I can apply it to whoever I meet next and whoever I, you know, ultimately end up with, but it's just like a beautiful thing to share something with somebody without any long-term, I guess, baggage. Yeah. I, I think that's huh. my favorite thing <laughs> so far, the travel boyfriend, um, concept. <laughs> yeah. It's a real thing. I'm just like, I'm, you know, I'm a, a relationship gal at the moment, but no, I'm kidding. No, <laughs> but no, seriously. I mean, it sounds exciting and like fun and, you know, just like casual. And I don't think that's something people do very much, you know? Yeah. And I think there's something nice about, cause you know, I've, I've been single for maybe like a little over two years now. And so I've done the dating, I've done the casual hooking up, I've done, you know, the fun single life. Um, and I think when you're traveling, there's this like time pressure because like you are going to leave at, you leave each other at the end of the day. So there's none of the ghosting or the flaking or like, yeah. I don't really know sort of situation that comes with real life. It's like, okay, no, like we're like in this together <laughs> for the next few days <laughs> or you're not like it's, it's simple as that. Wow. That sounds like the most intense, like international speed dating and also like a million <laughs> tiny rom-coms. Oh my gosh. So uh, many. That's so true. Oh, if you want to hear a crazy story, like I met this guy. So, okay. I was in Thailand. It was like one week into traveling and I was at this 
club in Thailand and I saw this really cute tall guy and I was like I hope he comes over and talks to me and he, he actually he came over and he said something to me and then I realized that he was like blackout drunk <laughs> and I was like this conversation is not going to go anywhere so thank you next <laughs> and then maybe like two months later I saw him at a rooftop bar in Vietnam and I was oh. like Oh my gosh, that's the same guy. And it's funny because he was actually like making out with some other girl. And I was like, this is funny. Um, but then later he came up to me and said something. And I also realized he was still really drunk. So I didn't really entertain it. Um, and then I want to, it was a week before my trip ended when I was in New Zealand and I was in this small village next to this glacier. Um, that's like the only reason people go to this village to hike this glacier. And this guy came up to me. And I looked at him and I was like, you're really cute. Wait a second. I've seen you before. <laughs> and he was the same guy oh, that no. I had run into in Thailand and Vietnam. And he was from New Zealand. It was a glacier guide leading hikes at this glacier next to this village. <laughs> the world is so funny. The world oh, is wow. so small. <laughs> well, uh, and this oh, time he God. wasn't blackout drunk, so we could actually have a real what conversation. We... Oh my gosh. Wow. I think the funniest Started part of that club. story is that, like, he came up to you twice, blackout drunk. Like, you know what I mean? It's like every time he was like, yeah, she's cute. <laughs> we ended up um, like, a really nice day together the next day. Like, he took me on this, like, glacier walk, and then we went swimming in a lake, and we, like, watched Love Actually because it was almost Christmas time. It was, like, a really lovely day. <laughs> wow. Started in the club. Now we hear it's a glacier. Exactly. And- <laughs> that is... Amazing. And was clearly, like, meant to be at least for, like, a day of pleasantry because... Totally. Three times in different countries. Next thing you know, he pops up at, like, the middle of Times Square, and you're like, what? Like... <laughs> like... <laughs> and then... Uh, all right, tall cutie, if you're out there, hey. <laughs> We're looking for you. No, no. I'm going to be at a bar in New York. <laughs> Life is funny. Oh, my gosh, that is... That is beautiful. Oh my gosh. Aj, is there like anything else that's in your brain? Yeah, I guess now that you've done the whole like long-term backpacking thing, like what's, what have you been up to lately? Like what's been the, or I guess have you been up to anything lately? Cause that's also a massive trip to undertake and you know. Yeah, but now that you're officially back stateside. Yeah, it was weird. I like don't think I expected to feel as weird as I did because, you know, I, I love my home in New York and my life in New York and my family in Maryland and my friends. Um, so as much as I didn't feel like ready per se to come back, I didn't feel like it was going to be hard. Um, but it was like, and I think I still am going through it. Like, as, as I was saying, like when I came back, I was, you know, completely broke and, was yeah. like, how do I, you know, afford to live? <laughs> and luckily, my old coworker I used to work with at Lippincott um, reached out to me, and she had turned to freelancing and found this new um, company that she was working with. And so they had an opportunity for me to be on the six month project. So that's what I'm working on right now. Um, it's a brand strategy project for a travel brand, which is exciting because it's still in this travel space. Um, and uh, because I'm a freelancer, it's pretty flexible. So there's a couple of weeks where I didn't really, they didn't really need me. So that's when I got to book some 
some flights to visit friends that I actually met backpacking and also friends that live across the country and all that. So that's been really good. I think I'm just, you know, trying to figure out what I want to do next and try to remember that like as, you know, a solo female backpacker, I was you know, thriving in this uncertainty and discomfort and that version of me like can still exist and should still exist while I'm in New York trying to figure out my life yeah. <laughs> and figure out my next steps in my career. Um, so yeah, I'm just trying to do some soul searching and informational interviews and journaling and all that to figure out what I want to do next after this project ends in June. Dude, I feel that <laughs> the, the journaling, I'm like, if anyone ever got a hold of my journal, they'd just be like, wow. <laughs> well, is she okay? And the answer would be like, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> she seemed like she was figuring something out maybe one day. But yeah. Huh. I think. So I guess. Oh, I have one more. Did you have another one, Ash? No, I was going to say, I think that's all my cue. So yeah. Go ahead, Bird. Okay. Um, but I was going to say, so you've. I mean, at this point, you've kind of like dabbled in many places around the world. Um, you're back stateside for the time being. Um, what do you, I guess, what's next, like on the, on the list of adventures for Vicky? She, is there like any places that you're like, that's like, that's the next place for me, whether it's like domestic or even like international things that you have your eye on. Cause clearly like, this is not the last adventure. Well, I don't know. I mean, um, some friends and I were talking about a five-year reunion in Vienna for our exchange student friend group. So maybe I'll do that this summer. Um, in general, I, I don't know. I've always like dreamed about living abroad. So I'm, I guess right now I'm trying to see if I can make that dream come true after this project ends. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I have like a long list of places I'd love to, explore like especially because now that I live in the U.S. and I've done like so much of Asia and Australia and New Zealand and there's in Europe like obviously there's more to see um but I realized that I haven't really done much of South America and it's right there so um I think as I as long as I live in New York hopefully I can explore a little bit more of South America maybe learn some Spanish Yes. Ambitious. And shout out to New York being like the center of a lot of like random things, because I feel like there's probably mad flights to everywhere or at least like mad connecting flights. Yeah. So that doesn't hurt. It's a great city to live in for cheap flights. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, I think that about like wraps up our little bit of interview portion, y'all. Um, so thanks again, Vicky. And we're all going to take a quick break and then we'll be back with a couple more fun segments, y'all. BRB. Yay. Okay, y'all. So let's get into, you know, our, some of our favorite segments of every episode. And we are going to throw it over to Aj uh, with the S of the week. What you got for us, Aj? So I'm going to try and keep this brief. Um, but I, before going into the S. Famous last words. I know, right? Um, I'm going to shout out an account, an Instagram account before we ask that um, Maya actually discovered it was called Dose of Disneyland um, and oh is it an account? It is basically like if your maternal instincts were catcalling men on the street, this is like what their hashtag, like what their account looks like um, This account is why we invented ass Yeah Like 
this is the content we came here for. But it's it's so like the, the way that they're like objectifying these men is hilarious. The hashtags they use are, for example, stroller meat, um, double dilfs, dad's a babe, stroller pushing arms. These are qualities of a dilf. Um, uh, so I'm always on the lookout for some stroller pushing arms, right? like top quality. To be honest, yeah, I agree. We love dads, so take a look at that. I love dads, <laughs> but um, in actual ass news. <laughs> Um, he, so, he didn't get the recognition he deserved because he's low-key a stand-in for another character on a show that everyone loves, or at least everyone in my circles loves. Um, but he is basically replacing Wes on how to get away with murder. <laughs> um, Rome Flynn. Oh, I, baby Flynn. Yeah, literally love him. Um, his a winning smile. I hear he's also going to play um, Prince Nadine in um, a live-action Princess and the Frog, possibly? Or maybe that was just like... They're doing a live-action Princess and the Frog now, I don't, too? That Bitch. literally could have just been some Twitter casting. I don't know. Like, not confirmed. Rumor mill. But I think he would be perfect to it. Can't worry. Spread it. Super charming. He has, like, the curls and the smile. and Yeah, I just think he's really great. <laughs> He's like a baby woke bay too, which sometimes I'm like hesitant this. of. I'm like, are you woke or hotep? But mm. he, he a seems fine line. <laughs> uh, Well, confessions that I still am like so behind on how to get away with murder, even though I watched so diligently for like three, four seasons. I should. It's like on Hulu now. I'm pretty sure. I, I didn't should just finish watch it. this season. I like have an episode, two episodes left, and it ended like three months ago. Uh, I'll watch it at some point, um, but I trust. I'll look it up. He's cute. All righty. Thank you, Aj. And next, we're going to pass it over to our lovely guest for the bop. Sure. So my bop of the week is Hometown Girl by this artist named Zoo. You'll never be my hometown girl. There's nothing like her in this world. I'm tired of the gate around. Z-H-U. I actually just discovered it on Monday. But (laughs) essentially, (laughs) I was drunk at an Uber pool coming back from the bar in San Francisco this weekend. And this also drunk girl was like complaining that the Uber didn't have any music. So just started putting on some some jams. And I really liked this one song. And she said the artist was Zoo, Z-H-U. And I was like, ooh, like... I, that sounds like a Chinese last name, and I feel like this yeah. house music <laughs> DJ is not going to be Chinese. <laughs> I wonder if someone <laughs> just like stole this last name. So I was like looking at I like flew back at like 2 a.m. on my uh, Sunday night, and I was like at work dying. I was like, I'm going to put on some loud house music to keep me going through the work day. Looked up Zoo, and he actually is a Chinese American like house music producer. Like that's. Cool. Amazing, yeah. And I'm Chinese American, so I felt this kinship to him. Um, and the song in particular is called Hometown Girl, and it's about um, how there's all these quote unquote get around girls, but no one's ever going to be like his hometown girl. Um, and I just spent a weekend in LA with two of my oldest friends who are for sure my hometown girls. So as I'm sitting in New York in my office trying to stay awake, <laughs> I love listening to this and thinking about my beautiful weekend with my old friends. 
And with that, we have reached the conclusion of another thrilling episode. Uh, so special shout out and thank you so much to our guest, Vicky Shi. If you are interested in just seeing some of the beautiful documentation in both words and pictures um, of her travels and kind of seeing what's out there, um, you can find her blog at vickyspassport.com. That is V-I-C-K-Y-S-P-A-S-S-P-O-R-T.com. And that also happens to be the same uh, page name and handle for her Instagram, which also documents a lot of those beautiful travels. Um, so again, thank you so much for sharing your time with us, Vicky. And this just feels so special because like we're all actually here. Uh, so tune it. in next time, y'all. Yes, hen. That's a passport that y'all can afford. Won't cost you $100, but LOL. Yeah. Um, until next time where we will all be here again because commitment. I'm Maya. Yeah, I'm Oz. And I'm Brandon. And, and we like Dias. you, Kai. We like you when you give us cookies. If you don't know that YouTube video, then you're a joke. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> This week's episode of Diet Starts Monday was produced and edited by Maya Dawi with production support from the entire DSM squad. Our theme song was written and performed by Brandon Schatt. You can find episodes of the show on all your favorite podcast streaming services, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and SoundCloud. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at DSM Pod or on Facebook at Diet Starts Monday Podcast. Bop it! <laughs> Twist it. <laughs>